Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Well, I just want to be who I am. Oh, you can't be that. Well, I'm going to just, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to be a little quiet about it. Well, why should we be quiet about it? I just want to like be my gay self, my lesbian self, my trans self, my bi self my non-gender self. Actually, I just want to be proud of whoever I am, regardless of skin color, gender, any of that sort of stuff. Oh, but you can't do that. If this sounds like you, that's why we're talking about this today on Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and we are we're coming up on a holiday here in just a few days, but we're going to talk about that once we get in the podcast. But I'm bringing somebody on board here that they have really stepped into themselves in a way that truly talks about loving yourself, being yourself, embodying who you are. Fellow podcaster, a mental health activist in a huge way for the LGBTQ plus community. And to put it in a nutshell, they actually just really help people move beyond the people pleasers. Hallelujah. <laughs> and just get out of this bullshit self-sabotage that we do. And I know that they and I are going to have a really good conversation because I can relate totally like I'm a people pleaser and I'm just doing what everybody else wants me to do and blah, 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 blah. And that's why we wanted to talk about this right before National Coming Out Day. So um, I'm just going to shut the fuck up and I'm going to bring Jenna Slaughter on to the podcast with me. And we're going to have a really good conversation about authenticity, being yourself, pushing those boundaries, no matter what other people have to say. So it's all your show now, Jenna. I shut the fuck up and you just take it from here because you're a podcaster. So you should know how to do this, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Like this is honestly, I'm, I'm always really grateful whenever anybody hands me a mic and I'm able to share my story mm -hmm. because I, I think that by seeing ourselves in other people, it yes. gives us permission to step forward and know that that's safe to do so. I used to do a ton of self-policing. That was like my jam. You know, I was like, I was going to figure out how to put myself into this. I wanted to be the, the, the good Midwestern gal, you know, that I was raised up to be in that life escalator where you, you know, find the love of your life and you have a bunch of kids and you get married and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, turns out I am gay, very Ooh gay and I don't exactly uh, I'm non-binary so I don't I'm not even a girl <laughs> so um it, I, I had to come out in kind of this unfolding fashion and I think that that's part of the message that I'd like to drive home for your audience is that like it's okay for you to come out and to come out again as you get more language and you try things on it's okay to change your label mm -hmm. Because our labels are supposed to be conduits of our self-expression, not walls that we put ourselves in just as we did when we were being straight. Yes. I love that being straight <laughs> because that's, that's truly, I mean, 
now that I'm, you know, 20, it's been, wow, it's been more than 21, 22 years now since I came out of the closet late in life. And that being straight was all I was doing. I was being straight, mm-hmm. you know, and I was not actually, if I really just said it, I wasn't being Rick. That's what the truth was, you know, mm-hmm. take the sex piece out of it. I mean, the sexual attraction, anytime we're not being who we are, we're being who someone else says we're supposed to be right. Yes. And I Absolutely. think in your work, you know, as you're working with people in this space, I'm sure you come across this all the time because it's a deep wounding of loving yourself is where it really mm-hmm. starts. Because somebody told you, this is who you're supposed to be, and this is how you're supposed to act, and this is what you're supposed to do. And we buy into this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know we don't, I know as younger kids, we don't, we can't really quote unquote discern it, so to speak. But what I love about this younger generation is there seems to be discernment at an earlier and earlier and earlier age. Of course, you know, all the white religious people are clutching their pearls right now by me going, oh, no, 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 don't indoctrinate them. We're not indoctrinating them. We're saying, thank for your critical fucking self, right? Mm-hmm. So what is something that you have found as your story unfolded? And I love when you said it's okay to come out and come out again. What is something that you've discovered that, really inspires you to keep just being who the fuck you are. Mm, I think part of it is that I'm able to embody and be the example that I wish I had. Mm -hmm. I did not. So I grew up in small, small town, like less than 500 people in Wisconsin. The only representation that I had of queer identities, especially like I grew up, and was, you know, forced into the, like the female box was like very butch women. And I, I present quite femme more like androgynous when I'm feeling more masculine, but I, Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't identify that way. And I didn't see myself in that. And Mm -hmm. so I have people almost every single day messaging me saying, you know, thank you so much for just being open about who you are, because that's allowed me to be okay with, you know, being bisexual, loving both genders, being pansexual, loving people, regardless of, of what is going on between their legs, just loving them. Like it's being that example is what really like pushes me. And I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier about like having pride in who we are is that like in order, you can't have pride without acceptance and you can't have acceptance without unlearning the shame. And our society is steeped in shame about being different, especially shame about being queer. Every LGBTQ plus person that I know has some level of religious trauma. Yep because our society is steeped in it and they are given permission to say, yes, it's your, it's your religion. Go tell other people that they're going to hell because of who they love. Just, mm-hmm. you can go do that. That's okay. Right. And I say that's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Your I religion agree. is something that you can police yourself on if you want to, but it has nothing to do with other people and you don't get to push that on other people. When is the last time that a gay person came up, knocked on your door and said, would you like to talk about homosexuality today? Not one time. Am I right? Mm -hmm. 
No, not once. But I've had multiple, multiple Mormons knock on my door and ask if I wanted to talk about, you know, their Lord and Savior. Right. So who has an agenda? Right. Yep. And the thing that I always bring up in this, and, and I'm, I believe in something bigger than myself. I'm not, I'm not a God hater, no matter what anybody wants to say. I'm not a God hater. Same. But what I find so interesting is, were you born a Mormon? Were you born a Catholic? Now, I know on the surface, somebody's going to say, of course I was. Okay, no, <laughs> let's dial that back. Mm-hmm. The moment you came out of the womb, did you know you were Catholic and you embraced every bit of that? Because that's the difference. And I know people argue with us up and down the spectrum here right now, but I'm sorry. When at four or five, six years old, I knew something was different, even though it took me 36 years to finally like, okay, this is who the hell I am. I just have a hard time buying into, oh, but that's a choice. No, religion's a choice. Thank you very much. You Mm -hmm. choose to become a Catholic. You choose to become a Baptist. You choose to become a Seventh-day Adventist up and down. and, And again, go be you, but just don't force it on me. That's what's frustrating. And this is what I think keeps so many people in the closet is this piece amongst other things, but this piece, because why would you want to come out? Not that we're saying come out on national coming out day, but what we honor on national coming out day is all those who have chosen to be themselves, period. That's what it's all about. And I know as I've worked with people, this has shown up probably the highest of any pushback, Ugh, you know, just this whole religious piece mm-hmm. now, other than accepting themselves. I mean, there's a the whole hump of like, okay, really? I guess I can, I get, I'm attracted, but it's like, you really, there's a whole journey of like really finally accepting you it, take the religious piece away. That's a whole nother, like over the hump sort of thing. So as you navigated this for yourself and you started having that awareness I don't think it was suddenly for you. Oh, I don't think I don't even identify as a gender person. I think there's always the first step of I'm queer. They probably showed up for you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I came out as queer in my early 20s. And then I started playing with gender and stuff shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. When I cut my hair, what I just like, had access to this masculinity that Mm. I hadn't had access to before. And so I started playing with that and I started realizing that I'm much more fluid in my expression and representation and my identity than I had originally thought. I had put myself into this nice cement box. Right. And I think a lot of people are more fluid because when you really start playing with it, you realize that gender is all a true social construct. Yep. And even, even the things that we are playing with are still part of the social construct. So um, I think a lot of more people are. And for me, what it came down to was just embodying this level of play. Like it doesn't have to be so fucking serious. Mm-hmm. Well, like, even in our even in our own community, people are like, "Oh, come on, just pick a box. Mm. You're, you, you can't be bisexual. You can't be gender fluid. Pick something." I'm like, "Really? We're going to do this to our own? That's what you, pisses me off." Have you ever heard of um, bisexual? Is just a, a pit stop on the way to being gay? Oh my god! Oh my uh-huh. god! So many times. 
So I, I remember my- when I came out and I had been out maybe I was probably three years in, eh, three years into my journey or so. And yeah, at least that, because I, by then I'd already met my husband. So we're probably four years into the journey. And I work for a small company in Orange County, California. At the time, I didn't realize the orange curtain, all that even exists. So I was like, okay, what, whatever. And then now that I'm out of there, I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, we won't get on that whole rant. Um, but I worked for a small company and there was a guy in the company who was in our sales, on my sales team. He was as old, <laughs> white, male, piggish, as straight guy as they could come. And we had this beautiful friend of mine who worked there. She was absolutely stunningly beautiful and the epitome of the Orange County housewife, you know, the big boobs, everything. Right. And, oh, he could, he just couldn't stand it that her and I were like just best buds because that she loved the gay guy. Right. So we went to a party at her house one weekend and I don't know her and I, we got frisky in the pool and everything. And, it's just so crazy because I think like Monday or Tuesday after that, actually it was this, it was, hello, interesting. So we're recording this Labor Day weekend. So I'm going to like let the audience know that where it's going to air in another month. But we were at a party for Labor Day weekend. And the next Monday, Tuesday, her and I are in the office and she starts laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? And she's like, oh, just thinking about all the fun you had. And when I was on your shoulders and you were grabbing my boobies, I'm like, Shh, we're in the office. <laughs> of course, you know old white guy hears this and, and and he's just like you know i'm outside at the time i smoke so i went outside to have a cigarette and he comes downstairs and he goes i have a question for you i'm like i couldn't stand the guy to begin with i'm like oh god okay but i was his technically his boss right and he goes i don't understand something i'm like okay what and he was very computer illiterate so i thought we were going down this hole i don't get this he goes you're gay i'm like uh-huh. okay yes but i overheard what andy said about you grabbing her boobs i don't understand i'm like oh my god man <laughs> of course i was like oh i can play with this now it's like well you know sometimes i just you know oh it just screwed with him so badly but mm-hmm. i but i wish all of us even within our own community and I totally get it if you're like, oh, no, no, I'm not. that. I'm a guy. I would never, you know, I wouldn't go for the vagina. OK, it doesn't always have to be sexualized. That's what bugs the shit out of me. Mm, the yes. moment that any of this comes up, the first thing that everybody goes for is, oh, but it, well, how could you do that? And then you bring people of your your world into this and they don't know what to do with the they them all of that mm-hmm. because they need to put it in a box in their head of well but what kind of sex do they want to have yeah well when pe- when people are really really entrenched yes. in the ideology of the patriarchy of of this compulsory heteronormativity when people are mm-hmm. entrenched in that they want to put that onto other people because it, our brain likes certainty. We like right. that. And so they want to put that on other people. And those are also the, the same people that like their brain breaks when you tell them something that exists outside of that. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm pansexual. Like I like people regardless of their, their gender, regardless of their biological sex. I just, I connect with people yep. and that can throw people for a fucking loop. Yep. 
originally when I first came out, um, my first girlfriend was a very seasoned lesbian Mm. and, um, they actually would like, it was super problematic because, uh, they would actually like seek out like people that were either not out of the closet yet or Mm. newly out of the closet. And they, the power dynamic at play there was really toxic. They would say, you know, they'd say things like, oh, you baby gay, like in ways to like gaslight me that I didn't know. So I didn't figure out that they were cheating on me the whole time, even though I had these like inklings that it was happening, but because I didn't know what the like, you know, the rules of the game are. Exactly. It was super toxic. Well, and this happens all the time in our community. Yeah. Oh yeah. They would say that I was, I was, um, you know, that bisexuality is a, a, stepping point on the way to right. being gay it's on the and midway fairer you know yeah. you're midway down the fair road mm-hmm. i just like ugh. I just they were vomit. worried truly worried and so insecure that one day i was gonna wake up and i was going to like men again and i wasn't going to like them anymore they were so insecure and so what if you did just wait it gets worse <laughs> they were so insecure that I ended up changing my label at the time to be lesbian because Ugh. I wanted to comfort them. I wanted them to know mm-hmm. that my care about them was real. Yep. And in doing so, I put myself in a whole other fucking box in a whole other fucking closet that I then had to come out of later to comfort the other person. And that should never, ever, mm-hmm. ever happen, mm-hmm. which leads me into my last point, Rick. Quit thinking you're doing the world a service by pretending to be someone else. Yep. I have a phrase that I use at the end of every talk I I do, regardless of which talk I'm doing and whatever kind of group that I'm speaking to, because my whole brand is about no fears, no excuses, no apologies. And the, and the quote, which I've used on this podcast several times, but it's worth doing again. The truth of who you are is far more powerful than the false truth you're pretending to be. So show us who you are. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a college student struggling through college, whether you're somebody who's in a miserable relationship, be the truth of who you are. Because guess what? If you don't do that, you're pretending. Yes. And do you want to go to your grave having lived a pretend life? Yes. And the thing that's powerful. Well, the thing is, is I don't think people get it that every time we bend, and I was saying, don't, I'm not saying don't do don't do anything to please others. That's not it. There's a balance of being a people pleaser in the worst way. And a people, I don't know. I don't even like the word pleaser. I like you you support others. You give for others because this, Oh, that feels good to do. Not because I'm looking for a fucking dog bone, so to speak, but yes. And the difference is, are you harming yourself to please Mm -hmm. the other person? Or are you giving from a heart-centered space? Because Mm. if you're giving from a heart-centered space, it doesn't matter what they do with the information. Right. And yeah, that's the beautiful difference between are you people-pleasing or are you giving a shit about people? Well, the thing I've also learned in my own journey as a people-pleaser is most of the time when I'm pleasing others, it's coming from a space of fear. Yep. It's coming from a place of having to feel accepted. And having mm-hmm. to be part of something. And suddenly I'm just like, and I get stung every fucking time it happens. Every time. And it's so interesting to catch yourself. And, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm healed. God knows this, this shows up still, even at 58 years old, folks. So <laughs> hate to the put the damper on The journey is you. never over, babe. It's never, never ever, ever. No. 
But what I've also learned is I can catch myself starting to step into that and ask myself the question, Hey, do you really want to do this? Or if you're Mm -hmm. doing this, what is the reason that you're doing it? As soon as I ask myself, what's the reason for it? The logic critical thinking steps in Mm -hmm. and I can either go, yeah, I'm doing this because I really want to go do this. And I'm not actually, by then I'm not really people pleasing because I'm like, I'm choosing to do something because I really want to do it. It's coming, as you said, it's coming from the heart versus it's not coming from fear. And in your brain, what's happening is you're shifting the dialogue from your like, was I think it's anterior cingulate cortex. I think that's where you're like your um, intuition, like the, no, the amygdala. That's what it was. The amygdala. My brain. You're shifting from the amygdala and you're re-engaging your logic mm-hmm. center in the prefrontal cortex. It's yep. really fucking beautiful. And I know that, and that'll take some people go, really? We just went really scientific, but <laughs> trust me, it, just go slow this down, go rewind mm-hmm. this and listen to it. Slow it down, re-listen to it, Google it. It's actually not as complicated as it sounds. It's mm-hmm. just how our brains work. It's yes. pretty simple. Even though it sounds complicated, it's actually pretty simple. I um, This reminds me, and it's so interesting that you brought that up and you brought up like moving from fear because this morning I was looking up what is the definition of bravery as, as far as we have this conversation about coming out and authenticity. The definition of bravery is courageous behavior or character, Hmm. which then brought me to look up, okay, what the fuck's courage? Right. (laughs) Courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. So fear is part of the deal. Mm -hmm. To be brave is inherently including some fear Mm -hmm. because we're going to be scared and we're going to do it anyway because we can find our people on the way. Yes. You can only shine your light truly when you are being your damn self, when you stop filtering through all of these ways that you think that society needs you to show up and you start taking those off, you start shining like a lighthouse on the shore for the people that really like need to see that light so they can light up themselves. Mm-hmm. Like quit thinking you are doing the world a favor by being somebody else. Because in reality, the biggest favor you can do to the world is to be your authentic self and help light up others on the way. Well, not only what the thing you can do for the world, but the thing you can do for yourself. Oh yeah. It's hand and, in and hand. It is hand in hand. And you know, how, I know as a kid, I was always told, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, if that hadn't been so ingrained into my head, how different would my life possibly have been? Mm. Now, I'm grateful for what my life has been at this point. But I also sometimes wonder, wow, if this hadn't been part of the equation and this hadn't been part of the equation and, and, you know, no looking back. I mean, it's like, hey, just keep moving forward. 2020 is that hindsight is not well served sometimes. But I also find it very powerful when you can see those things and go, this is the way forward. Mm. This is the way forward. Yeah. You know, and when you were speaking around fear and I, I was going to try to open up a file and look it up, but I'll see if I can remember it. I worked on a, a talk a couple of years ago and we had this line in there and I don't think we still have it in that talk because I haven't done it in a couple of years, but excuses feed our fears and fears 
fuel our excuses. Mm. We don't, we don't see that wicked cycle, but as soon as you dump the excuse, it's pretty damn hard to feed the fear. And as soon as you like squelch the fear, it's pretty hard to keep making up excuses because now you're just being present. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to do this. This is where we're going to go. Now, by no means, again, are we pushing, and again, we're just a few days away here from National Coming Out Day, are we pushing anybody to step out beyond that closet door until they're ready? And Mm -hmm. here's a little secret, I think. Jenna's going to agree with me on this, and if not, then I'm going to cut her off and this podcast is over. But um, here's the thing, and I know I just said her, they, cut uh, them off. Thank you. and this is a tough one for me to, l- to deliver because I don't want to cause anybody confusion. Mm-hmm. You will be ready when you're ready. And don't let anybody else tell you anything different. Nobody gets to bring you out of your closet, but you. And this happens all the time. People, you know, bring people out of the closet when they shouldn't be bringing other people out of closet. In fact, when I've spoke at colleges and university, I'm curious, and you're speaking, if this has happened, I always had the student come up to me in more than just one and say, Oh, I have this really good friend. And I wish they would just come out. What can I do to help them come out? Shut the fuck up, be supportive. Don't talk about it, but kind of find your ways to support them. Like, Oh, I watched Will and Grace. And that was a really funny episode. Da, da, da. Oh, did you see this thing about, you know, parents adopting gay parents adopt? That's how you be supportive. Like you talk about like, hey, wow, you're not pointing it at them. You're just in common conversation. You're bringing this shit up. Well, it's not shit, but I think it's really important to talk about this piece of when it's time, it's time. And any time other than that, you're probably going to hurt yourself more. Mm, Yeah. And it's interesting because we just got off this conversation talking about fear and like being scared doing it anyways but then also at the same time being like don't try to force yourself out or don't allow anybody else to drag you out and so I think what's important for the listeners to understand is that there's a gradient our comfort Mm -hmm. zone and where we do best is right on the edge of discomfort yes where things get Harry is where we deviate too, too far into fear. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not suggesting that you go take a loudspeaker and go, you know, declare it to your university. I mean, if right. that feels good for you, babe, I can go ahead. Yeah, exactly. But more power to you. More power to you. But if that's not where you're at, maybe it's instead starting with the, the very edge, like I did, where I like, I wrote a letter and came out to myself. Yeah. Like I had told it to myself. And then, then I told people that I already knew were safe, mm-hmm. quote unquote, like my very best friends. Yep. So for like six months, I was only out to like myself and like three other people. Mm-hmm. And that was plenty good enough for me for about six months until the person who ended up being, ended up becoming my first girlfriend walked into a party that I was in. And I shit you not, my stomach dropped into my butt. I like my whole world. I felt it like shift. Like I felt like this door closing that it was just like, okay, we're, we're done with, I guess. Oh shit. I guess we're going to have to come out now because I deemed my bisexuality at the time as a a minor inconvenience to be managed because I, I liked men enough 
I figured I would just, you know, climb the relationship escalator and right. we would just keep this my little my little secret that we right. don't talk about. I really had no intentions of coming out to my parents ever. Mm-hmm. And then I met this person that made my whole world shift. And out of authenticity and a desire to be honest with myself and my parents and the people around me, that was when it became real enough for me to want to make that journey out. Was it scary? Fuck yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. But it was worth it because I had connected to why I was doing it. And I I accepted the, the risk. I accepted the fear because it was time. I was ready. So wait for that, the moment in time where it feels like, okay, I'm connected enough. I'm settled enough in this. I am accepting that like these people could take this information and they could say, you know, that's against my religion. I don't, you know, I don't want to engage with you anymore. Like work through all of those different outcomes. And when you become okay with those outcomes and then it's time, Yes. then it's time. Yeah. And And it's it's always going to be scary. It's always going to be scary. I mean, I hate to say this because a lot of people, all of us who do this lovely coming out work and self-love work and everything, we have probably uttered this phrase thousands of times. You never stop coming out. Yes. So if you think it's a one and done, I hate to say it. I want to wrap you up in my arms and go, wake up, bitch. <laughs> like in a very <laughs> loving way. It's never done. Like it a little is, wake up, bitch burrito. Yeah. It's like every day, mm-hmm. almost in every way. And I don't interact with a ton of people because, you know, I'm so high up in the celebrity realm. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> because I do so much of this stuff via Zoom, I don't have that like human to human connection in person. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting because of the work that I do, coaching and then coaching for this other company, that especially the other company, I mean, these people are coming to get coached on how to become a public speaker. They do their homework on me before I, I mean, I have hundreds, we have thousands of students in this program. And I get to coach a majority of them at some point in time, but I always forget that they're checking me out. <laughs> Cause I'm so mm-hmm. damn good looking. I'm kidding again, but they're checking I mean, me yeah. out, you know, because it's like, they want to know, is this guy legit? Right. Well, mm-hmm. I sometimes forget that you go to my website and it says, you know, challenging gay men, gay and bisexual men to, you know, dump their excuses, face their fears and live their unapologetic life. And suddenly I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, I'm gay. Right. I don't say it like that. Yeah, I'm gay. And you know, here's what I can tell you. Here's what I learned as a, a speaker. That's really helped my career. And how I've leveraged being gay to like really, truly be able to take a message to an audience, even an audience that may not like me. They suddenly are like going, girl, I peed my pants listening to this guy. He was really funny for for a gay guy, you know, Um, you know, because I always have to put the qualifier on for the gay guy, you know, you know. Mm I, you know, like, uh, I don't get the they, them, but they were funny for a they, them, but you know, I don't get it. You know, they have to put those qualifiers, in. but yeah, it's such an interesting, fascinating journey that I believe we are blessed to go on mm-hmm. because as you said at the beginning of the podcast, showing others who we are is one of the greatest compliments. I think I get to live in my life. Because yeah. if we can show someone else who we are, 
hopefully it lights the flame that they can see who they are and why it's so beautiful to just be out in the world as you are. So what was the biggest challenge when, I'm going to say it like this, just because I want to do, say it for MBA, when you chose to become a they, them? <laughs> I mean, I let's, let's be honest, you chose this, you know, mm-hmm. so, but what, what has been some of the biggest challenges, like stepping even further into your truest self? Mm-hmm. So when I was first toying with the idea of changing my pronouns, it was interesting because I had already identified as gender fluid Mm -hmm. and, um, it took a TikTok or something like that by (laughs) Jeffrey Marsh. Oh, uh he's been on the podcast. They're lovely. They're just, oh, they're so lovely. Um, and it was talking about like the qualifiers to being trans Mm -hmm. and they were basically saying that like, if you don't identify as a like cis woman Mm -hmm. and that's what you were assigned, ah, like it was just very like, if it's not this, like you can feel like you can feel okay taking that as like your identity. Mm -hmm. And I I toyed with that for a while because I don't necessarily have gender goals as in like, I don't, I don't necessarily desire to have top surgery at this point. Like I don't, I I'm like, I see your binary and I want nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. is basically Mm -hmm. my, my choice on it. I, I, I'm going to pick and choose whatever the fuck I want, whenever the mm. fuck I want, however the mm. fuck I want. Sorry, I'm swearing. I didn't That's know. That's okay. This is, well, I've been throwing the F-bomb all, this is my show. We fucking do what we want to do. When we it's do what podcast. we fucking want right. to do. Yeah. Sure. Okay. We put the explicit label on it, which means most people are like, oh, I want to listen to this one. <laughs> You know, this one's real. Let's like all you right wingers that are listening to my podcast. I know you don't want to come out and say it, but you know you are because you're like, that's me, but I don't want nobody to know about it. I have I have that right wing monitor on. So, you know, I, I trace you to your home. And I'm kidding. Well, now oh some goodness. are probably like really scared, like, oh, shit, is he being for real? But uh, but it's interesting you bring that up because uh, we were out having cocktails the other night with our daughter and boyfriend. And we were in a lovely, lovely outdoor bar. And this very striking individual was sitting there. I thought very striking. So I'm going to let's qualify that. I thought very striking. Beautiful facial features. Predominantly what I would consider. Well, I'm going to let's put it this way. Nordic beautiful features. Predominantly what I consider masculine facial structure. But I immediately noticed and I'm going to just say they, because I'm going to assume they're on that, that space because of what I'm about to share. They had beautiful, bright, beautiful blue fingernails. And as I continued to watch them, I was making some assumptions that they are somewhere on their journey. They also had breasts, but as soon as they went to the restroom, and it's going to make me sound like a dirty old man. I knew there was still some penis down there just because of the way their jeans fit. And they came back. You're really del- looking at them close, right? Well, I just, they, there was You're such really a striking person because it was like, wow, they sat back down, their meal had come, they pulled their hair back in a ponytail. And even then I'm like, wow, they, they're such a striking, beautiful human 
And then as they got up to leave and they walked past our table, there was just, there was so much there that I'm like, this person is being fully who they are. Mm-hmm. Now, a whole bunch of other people in the restaurant, and again, we're outside, were also watching them. And as soon as they walked out, you know, my family didn't pay any, I didn't bring this up to my family at all. Cause I'm like, I'm in research observation mode right now. <clears throat> as soon as they walked out, I heard some people at a table. Oh, that's just disgusting. They're just, <laughs> they're just there. That's one of those people. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. That's one of those people. I, I mean, it's like, you are one of those people. Exactly. You. I so bad wanted to just get up out of the t- chair and go, really? Let me tell you something. They're probably the most authentic person that just was sitting in this restaurant right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope my family doesn't listen to this. That's okay. I don't give a shit. (laughs) They know me well enough. They're like, dad's always watching people and he'll bring it up on his podcast somehow, some way, you know. But But it's so it's interesting because that actually paralleled to what my biggest thing has been as coming out and using they, them pronouns outside of like wrestling with my mom and dad to use the appropriate pronouns for me was deconstructing and understanding the privilege that I still hold even within the trans community Mm -hmm. because Yes, I am. I'm a a hundred foot queer. Like you can spot me from a hundred feet away. I've got my short ass hair. I'm just, I'm fucking out there. However, I still have enough of my quote unquote passing privilege that people that um, are just stuck into the structures that we talked about earlier, they will look at me and they will perceive me as female, which provides me an immense amount of safety. Mm-hmm. Be- not because of being perceived as female, but being perceived in one box or another yep. has an immense amount of privilege. Yep. So um, I wrestle with that uh, a lot of the time. And I use my privilege within the queer and trans community to talk with people both and saying like, however you are presenting or want to present is enough. And B, I get to have these really fun, enlightening conversations with people that feel safe to talk with me and Mm -hmm. try to understand the trans identity. And I mean, this is an umbrella. There's a lot of different identities within there. Yes. And we get to have those conversations about why Mm -hmm. pronouns matter and why evolving language matters Mm -hmm. and how to, you know, approach people in a respectful way. And um, that is both a very challenging, um, like, and it's a lot of emotional energy, of course, but it's also a very, it's, it's a piece of this journey that I really appreciate and cherish because if I know that this person is going to be more equipped to interact with queer people and trans people in a kind, effective way, that's my gay agenda. Mm -hmm. I get that completely. And it took me a while to get to that space. Because when I first came out, I'm like, fuck you. Just fuck you. This is who I am. Yeah. Until I realized, well, all this stuff started happening. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm headed someplace where this might be something that becomes part of what I do in life, right? <clears throat> Until I realized the more casual I am about all of this, the more impact I can have. I don't have to be up in somebody's face. Not in the way people talk about being up in somebody's face. 
But when I say something to somebody like, oh, yeah, my husband, and I, da, 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 it's like, I don't even I don't even give them time to absorb that. It's like we're just continuing on in the conversation because yeah. that's just the way it goes. And that's just the way it flows. Mm -hmm. But like you. I have privilege. Nobody knows I'm gay until I say it because I'm a big, tall, white male. I'm a older male. So when people see me walking down the street, because I don't believe, I mean, some people say, oh, you do walk with a swish. I'm like, bullshit. I know I don't. I have practiced really hard to be butch white. No, I haven't practiced real hard. But I can walk down the street and nobody's going to probably know. Versus my brothers and sisters who are trans that don't pass well versus my brothers and sisters who are black or Asian. You can't get past this shit. So I take my privilege very seriously in a very productive way that I want to be able like you to be one of those voices that says in spaces that I can, let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to even try with somebody who's so fucking hung up that it's, it's not worth my breath. I just, right. I wish I could, but I'm to the point in my life where I'm like, I know where I'll spend my time having impact yes. versus where I'll spend my time trying to have impact. That's not going to do any good. Discernment. And I think that's, discernment is huge so it's as we absolutely huge as we start to wrap this up here because i could i know now that i know you i'm like okay we could we, we could, could talk forever we could talk forever because we well i think that's the thing is when you find someone that you connect on this level where you get it and you both are having that work that you hope is really truly have an impact in the world you start to get that energy. Not that we didn't have energy. Well, okay. Honestly, both Jen and I didn't have a lot of energy because we're both Californians and we're recording this kind of early. Well, not really early, but it's a holiday. So it's like nine o'clock on a holiday is a little early. So we both had to have our coffee as we're getting warmed up here, but I don't know how I got off there. But anyway, um, here's what I was going to ask you is where we are in our lovely society right now. If somebody is really, really, really struggling and if they're really, really scared, because there's there's little ripples of yeah, they could be coming for still. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them about just keep keep thinking about where you want to go and who you want to be? What advice would you give them to just kind of toe the row, so to speak? Mm, I would say to leverage the Internet mm -hmm. and find yourself community of people that understand yes. people that get it especially if you are in a current community like I was in in the midwest where there is very little representation and the people that I did get to meet it was a tiny 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 community everybody had you know dated or fucked one another right find yourself an online community um, and if I can shamelessly plug my friend Meg's The Connector, um, she runs a queer, it's called the Queer Impact Collective, which I lovingly mm. helped name. Awesome. And they do virtual meetups. And mm. it's prime, it's primarily entrepreneurs, but it's definitely not that that's not like a prereq in any way. And it's just a beautiful, welcome, open, like open space right. even if you're if you're questioning yep come be in space with other queer people mm -hmm. and see mm -hmm. how you feel um that's, that's my there's, biggest thing yeah and there's plenty of these out there you know um 
I, you know, I, I run my two groups. Now mine are very specific because one is for guys, 40 gay men over 40. The other is for guys coming out of the closet. Some people are like, why do you keep it so exclusively just for men? Because hate to say it, but that's my experience. Okay. I want to be able to hold space for guys that are going through a very similar space. There's plenty of other places you can go get that if you want it, you know, but the online world is so precious. And I think people worry too much about, well, but if I show up in one of those spaces, then everybody will know who I am. Not really. You can show up. I mean, I say all the time, you can come to my groups and you can sit there and you can have your camera off and you can just sit and listen. You don't even have to answer anything. You know, even though I'll go around the Hollywood squares on Zoom and go, you got anything to add? Got anything to add? I'm very respectful that those who show up with their camera off, I'm not going to bug up. Now, others have said, well, how do you know they're not listening to this? And they're like capturing all these people's pictures. I'm like, because I'm not that much of an ass. I'm going to give the world a little bit of credit that hopefully. And again, even if they are showing up, okay, yes, I want to protect people. But even if that's what their intent is, it's going to take a lot of work to like go track down everybody who was on that Zoom call. Mm -hmm. And even if they are doing that, God bless them. The, you know, they're the living devil, in their own personal hell. Yes, the devil's taking up room in their, in their heart. And I'm going to pray to God that, you know, God will heal them of that, which is a great way to like, anytime you have an evangelical question, you know, oh, like yeah. beating you I, up. I love to say, I bless and release you. I do too. Yeah. I, bless I, lo- I love the you. one that I like. I love the one I just said, like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that the devil has taken that place in your heart. I'm going to, you know, hope that God can help you through that. They don't know what to do with that. It's like, oh my God, I'm doing exactly what you would say to me. So, um, but Mm -hmm. um, well, this has been fun. This has been enlightening. This is, I'm so, I'm actually really glad that we did this right before National Coming Out Day, because I think it's important to have these kind of conversations. Whether, I mean, you don't have, again, you you guys, gals, they, thems, you don't have to come out just because it's national coming out day, but we'd encourage you to make your own damn coming out day. Exactly. Mark it on the fucking calendar, make it a whole fucking thing if you want. And guess what? And if that date moves, that's okay too. That just means, Hey, it's not right yet. So idea offer to anybody that is listening. Yes. If you are not yet ready to come out. Yes. To the world, to your best friends, to your parents, all of those things. I'm going to offer my DMs to you as a gift, as yep. somebody that is 100% safe for you to come out to. There's no shame. There is no judgment. There is no nothing. There's only celebration and pride. Feel free to come out to me, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. that is on coming out day before or after. If you are like in that space and you're just like, I just, I need somebody to tell the start this momentum. Yes. I invite you to share it with me and I I would be happy to, and I would love to um, celebrate with you and your new identity and you stepping into your authenticity. And all of the ways to connect with Jenna will be on the podcast show page. Site is jennaslaughter.com. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And would love for you to connect with them just because everybody connects with people differently. I mean, there, there are guys that come to do the work with me that I'm like, Hey, it's totally cool. If I'm not your guy, but find someone who is because the sooner you can connect with the right person or the group of people, 
the sooner it's not going to be quite as scary. So I know both Jen and I invite you all to just step into the world, go be who you are, and never forget the truth of who you are is far more powerful than that false truth you're pretending to be. So show us who you are and go out there and have a really, really great day. And Jenna, thank you so much for being here on Life Uncloseted, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.